0: Well, what a privilege to be able to share here this morning. I'm so excited to share the word with you today. I'm going to be talking about identity in Christ. I shared this message a a few years ago, but I think it's one that we don't hear enough. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open our hearts and ears to hear what you are saying to us here this morning. Even though we're doing church on a screen over the internet, thank you that you are not limited by that. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would touch lives and that your word would go forth and that it would bring transformation. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't it a little strange to be doing church over the internet? I didn't expect the lockdown to last this long. I remember back in June, I was in the middle of moving all of the sound gear up to the bio box as we entered into lockdown. I was so stressed out. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get all this stuff ready for when we go back to worship. I was rushing around to get it all done. And me and Raina laugh about it now. We we honestly thought lockdown was going to be over in two weeks and things would go back to normal. Boy, was I wrong. But it is such a blessing to be coming out of lockdown, and, and it really has been a weird but wonderful time. And as believers, it's so important that we have a solid understanding of our identity in Christ because it enables us to stand firm when when the tough times come, no matter what the circumstances. And right now, the world is pretty crazy and there's a lot of uh, negative stuff out there. And I think the most obvious issues is, is the whole vaccination thing. You're vaccinated, you're not vaccinated. It's not just a big thing in the world, but for churches as well. I mean, I have Christian friends who are not vaccinated. I have Christian friends who are vaccinated, but our identity is not in whether we have been vaccinated or not. Our identity needs to be in Jesus, in Him, in Him alone. So who has seen uh, the movie, The Bourne Identity? It's about a secret agent called Jason Bourne. And at the start, bit of a spoiler alert, he wakes up on a yacht with amnesia. And much of the first movie is about Jason Bourne figuring out his identity. He is faced with so much opposition and people are sent to silence him and to kill him and to keep him from figuring out who he is. Did you know that the devil is real. And you know, similarly, the devil doesn't want you to know your true identity in Jesus. The devil wants to steal your identity. So he whispers things like, you have to earn God's acceptance so that he will love you. He says things like, you're not good enough, or you don't matter. You're not important. You're not worthy. Or things like, you, you really think you're a Christian? Well, you can't even live a clean, sinless life. Remember that sin you committed? God could never forgive you for that. You should be ashamed of yourself. He likes to whisper in our ears all kinds of nonsense. He brings condemnation and guilt and shame. And actually John eight forty four tells us that he is the father of lies. He's a liar. <laughs> but here's the thing. If we allow those thoughts to get into our minds, we can repeat them over and over. And I did this for many years. I still do this at different times. And the thing is that we we can start to live out of that place we start living out of a stolen identity much like jason Bourne. so this morning i want to look at the five fingerprints of our identity in christ and we're going to look at 1 peter chapter 2 verses 9 to 10. thanks john but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation god's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So the first thing is this: I am fully accepted. We all do crazy things to feel accepted. It it affects so much of our life. We crave acceptance. We want to fit in and belong. I mean, I used to do crazy things as a kid to gain acceptance with my peers. Actually, when I was a teenager feels so long ago, but there was this massive rock about 50 meters off the shore of Twilight Beach. Uh, This was when I was living in Esperance and you know I would go there with my friends and they would dare me to jump off. It was a huge rock, people have died jumping off the rock, but you know what? I did it because I wanted them to know that I was cool, so I jumped off the rock to win their acceptance. And I don't know when you go back to school, uh, I think it's this week, uh, but When I was at school, we used to play uh, sports and there used to be two team captains. And it is the worst feeling when you get picked last. It really made your heart sink being chosen last. It happened to me a few times. Uh, But the other side of that is awesome too. It's so good when you get chosen first. It feels good when you get a job promotion or when you are affirmed and encouraged. It's It's a good feeling. And the good news is that in Christ, we have complete acceptance and we don't have to look for it in anyone or anything else. We have complete acceptance in Him. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen people. You are chosen by God. How do I know that God chose me? Ephesians 1.4, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. He chose me before everything. Think about that for a second. Before God created the world, He thought of you and chose you. Isn't that incredible? Titus 3.7, Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. He made us acceptable to God and gave us the hope of eternal life. See, sometimes we can try to do all the right things and act a certain way, thinking that that will make us acceptable to God, when it's actually Jesus. It has nothing to do with you or anyone else. It is Jesus that makes us acceptable to God. Number two, you are super valuable. It says you are a holy nation. The word holy in the Greek is translated haigos. It means you are special to the Lord. In other words, you are super valuable. What makes something valuable? Here's a thought. Uh, what would be more valuable? A guitar owned by Brody Teo? or a guitar owned by Jimi Hendrix. If you don't know who Jimi Hendrix is and you're thinking you're such a boomer, okay, a guitar owned by Ed Sheeran. Uh, Ed Sheeran's all right. Uh, but the question is whose guitar would be worth more? Definitely mine, I'm pretty famous. That That's a joke. Of course it would be Hendrix or Ed Sheeran. But the point is that the owner adds value to the common item. And the question is who owns you? Who do you belong to? If we belong to God, that makes us, so extremely valuable. It's so valuable that you cannot attach a price to it. It's priceless. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, For you are a, a people holy to the Lord your God, His treasured possession. When God looks at you, He doesn't go, Oh my gosh, what, why did I make that person? What was I thinking when I made them? No, when God looks at you, He sees you as His treasured possession and nobody values you more than God. Isaiah 43.4, because you are precious in my eyes. We are precious to God. We are children of God. He is our Father. Now, there is this myth that God makes bad things happen. And I hear this quite a bit in different church circles. Oh, you're sick or things aren't working out because God is punishing you for your sins and, and the sins of your Father. But let me say this. The power of sin was defeated on the cross and if we are in christ we are new creations and are no longer controlled by the sin nature 2 corinthians five seventeen: if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has gone behold all things are new and 1 peter 2 24 says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed if we are in jesus we are righteous and when you come to god and you say oh my gosh, I messed up. Remember that time in 1998? Some of you might not have even been born yet. Uh, Or remember that time in 2019 when I did? Here's the thing, God doesn't condemn us. He loves us and values us. We can still be tempted and, and sin, of course we can, but the sin nature does not control us. And I think sometimes we can often feel like we have to repent and say these long statements about how unworthy and worthless we are, when the truth is God does not see us that way. He has made us righteous and holy and acceptable through his son, Jesus. We just don't believe it all the time. You are holy and acceptable and valuable to God. You are so valuable to God that he became flesh and bone and came to earth. And what was paid on the cross is priceless. You can't put a price on it. So how do I know I'm valuable? Because Jesus died for me. So know that you are extremely valuable. Number 3 is I am eternally loved. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You know, you're part of God's family. Hebrews 2:11. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. This that is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. You know, when we get to heaven, do you realize that Jesus is going to be like, hey bro, hey sis, he's not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Isn't that amazing? Jeremiah 31.3, long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. God's love is unconditional. It has nothing to do with you or your performance. God doesn't love you if you come to church. God doesn't love you if you're a nice person or because you give or because you help the poor. He loves you just because, with no strings attached. And I think we are so unfamiliar with this love because we don't experience unconditional love all the time because we are human. Did anyone used to write love letters in in school? I used to write a few to some particular girls that I had crushes on. They mostly went something like, I love you because you make me feel good about myself or I love you because you are a good singer. I love you because that's not unconditional love. Even when I write to my my wife, when I used to write love letters to her, I used to write, I love you because you're beautiful. (laughs) That's still conditional, right? What happens when she's no longer beautiful? We all get old. This is probably a good place to say will always be beautiful to me. Uh, but it's still conditional. And God's love is so much bigger than we can imagine. His love is unconditional and his love is unending and everlasting. And sometimes we can be like, "Oh no, will God love me today? I didn't pray enough. I skipped the U-version Bible plan." That's me sometimes. I said I said a naughty word, a swear word. None of you ever swear, you're all saints, but does God still love me? <laughs> you know, you can't stop God from loving you because His love is everlasting. In fact, 1 John four sixteen says, He is love. The creator of the universe is love. Love comes from God. Psalm 100, verse 5, For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Number four is this, I am totally forgiven. 1 Peter two ten: Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy mercy. He has totally forgiven you. He knows the worst thing you have ever done. He knows the worst thing that you are yet to do. And in Jesus, we are forgiven. And our sins do not surprise God. He knows everything in advance, every wrong thing that we have done or are going to do. He has chosen to forgive us through his son, Jesus. And he doesn't partially forgive. He totally forgives. We are so funny at forgiving. I mean, when someone upsets us or something, we're like, oh yeah, I, I forgive you. And then we take that thing that they did and we, we kind of put it in a little box over here and we just put it, we store it somewhere and we just wait for them to stuff up again. And when they stuff up, we, we go to that little box and we take it out and we're like, hey, it's just like that time you did. <laughs> but God is not like that. He totally erased our sin. He totally forgives us and God does not punish us for our sin. In fact, Romans 8.1 says there is now, like today, right now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God chose to totally forgive us in his son, Jesus. It is in God's nature to forgive. Isaiah 43.25, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. There is this idea that God in the Old Testament changed from this harsh, unforgiving God into a forgiving God in the New Testament. But the truth is, it's in God's nature to forgive. There is so much forgiveness in the Old Testament. You remember the story of King David and Bathsheba? Yes, there was still consequences for David's actions, but the Lord forgave him. Jesus paid for our sins on the cross. Ephesians 1.7 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. In Christ, we are totally forgiven. He doesn't forgive you every time you sin. He already has forgiven you in Jesus. And yes, when we stuff it up, we repent, but don't dwell or become stuck or linger in your sin. Get over it quickly. Come to God, repent and keep going, knowing that you are totally forgiven. And number five, we are fully capable. You are a royal priesthood that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are a priest. If you are a Christian, you are a priest. What does a priest do? He represents man to God and God to man. And God tells us that we are fully capable as priests. And you don't have to go to a priest to confess your sins because we have Jesus who is our high priest. And every believer, every Christian is a minister. Every one of us is called by God. You are just as called as any minister or priest or pastor, because you are one. You represent God to man and man to God. You might be thinking, how do I represent man to God? Through intercession. You know, like when you pray for your friends, but you are a minister wherever you find yourself. And the Bible tells us that we are fully capable at representing God to other people. It's part of our calling as believers. Every one of us has the responsibility to make disciples who follow Jesus. And our job as priests is to tell other people that they are valuable, that they are forgiven, that they are loved, and that they are acceptable, and that they are capable in Christ. And that's part of our identity. It's part of our job to tell others about Jesus. It's not just up to myself or Peter or the church council leaders. It's all of our responsibility to share the good news of the gospel. And God has a life mission for each and every one of us, and we are called to fulfill that mission. You're a priest, whether you're at your work or when you're at school or at your uni, we represent God to everyone we we meet. And Rainer recently reminded me the other night in our Bible study, you know, you might actually be the only person someone might meet in their lives who, who has Christ. You might be the only priest someone might come across in their lives. Never underestimate the impact you can have wherever you are and know that you are fully capable and fully qualified. And, you know, sometimes I can doubt myself. Like, life gets crazy and I can question, oh, am I really called by God? Yes. Feelings lie. You are fully capable to handle whatever life throws at you. You have the power of Jesus living in you. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 6. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of His new covenant. You might be thinking, oh, could I, I, I could never serve. God has made you capable. Or, or I could never tell people about the gospel. God has made you capable. You know, people might be able to argue about theology and doctrine, but they can't argue with your story. <laughs> so it's really easy. Just start by sharing your story. And you know, we have no idea what to expect as church opens up or what's going to happen in the next months or the next years or weeks but i do know that in jesus we are fully capable to manage it philippians 4 13 says i can do all things through christ who strengthens me some of you know my story i grew up in a very unstable home and you know my parents were divorced and my family is still pretty heavy into drugs but i was told all kinds of things growing up Like things like you will never do anything with your life. But I believed those things for some time and it it wounded me pretty deep in my heart. And the only way I was able to get over it was, you know, I I was radically saved at 14, but I started believing what God says about me and who he tells me that I am. I started reading the truth of who I was as a child of God in the Bible. And, it, and I think a great way to do this is to start by memorizing a few scriptures. I used to write out scriptures on little cards that I would carry them with me everywhere, like on the bus to work, uh, going to school. And I had a journal where I would just copy the same verse over and over until I knew it. Like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leaves me beside the still waters. He restores my soul but it really helped to get the word from my head into my heart. But just know that you are a child of God, fully accepted, super valuable, eternally loved, fully forgiven and fully capable. This is your identity as a child of God in Christ.